Welcome, welcome everyone to the Unraveling Podcast with me, Kelly Bacara. I hope that you are doing well today. We are going to continue on with our series in the book of Psalms, and today we are going to do part two of Psalm 18. Honestly, we're only going to be looking at about four verses because there is so much in here. And if I am learning anything throughout the series, it's that there's just so much to learn about the Bible. We could never understand all this. We, I don't know if it's possible to soak up everything we could know from this book, but there is just so much goodness in it. And so as you go through this, I really, really encourage you to um, dive in too. It's so helpful to have a study Bible. It's so helpful to read commentary, but it's also so important to read it for yourself and ask God, what is the saying? What are you revealing about yourself to me in this text? And so I just want to encourage everyone who's listening to do this themselves too. And as always, I just want to ask that if you haven't yet, and if you enjoy this podcast, if you could take the time to rate and review it, that would be so awesome. So let's get started with Psalm 18. guys, as I was looking at Psalm 18, I was hoping that I could get a good chunk of the book in this episode. Turns out I'm only going to be able to get to about four verses because, again, there is so much in here. But we are going to be reading verses 16 through 19. I love verse 16. It's one of my favorite verses of all time. I guess I should say that it was one of my favorite verses of all time when I was going through a really hard time, but it's still something that has stuck with me and it has really, really helped me in life. And so I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. Again, I read out of the NIV version, um, but go ahead and read it whatever version you want to. It says, He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Isn't that good stuff? I remember during a particularly hard time in my life, I, I would visualize um, this picture in my head from this verse, and I think it's because I literally felt like I was drowning in grief, in confusion, in sadness, whatever it was, but I, I remember this picture in my head all the time of feeling like I was in an ocean, just being tossed by the waves, and I was underwater. Um, and when I read this verse, I just saw God's hand coming down and pulling me out. And that's exactly what verse 16 says. He, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. The next verse goes on to say, He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about this concept of rescue, as well as this concept of our weakness. Sometimes it's very humbling and also difficult to admit that our enemies whether that's Satan himself or our circumstances or actual people in our life are more powerful than us. And that's what David's saying right here is like, these people, my enemies are too strong for me. They're, they're powerful enemies. David is acknowledging that he could not have won on his own. He needed God to rescue him. And sometimes I think that is a key component to our healing is that we so often try to rescue ourselves or try to find or have somebody else rescue us. Someone who is not God. 
I mean, something I hear all the time, and I know I've probably have been guilty of too, so there's no judgment here, but it's it's quite common for a woman to feel like she needs to have a man in her life or that she wants a man in her life to like save her. And those might not be the words that she's using to explain it, but that's often what it represents is that there's this hole in her or there's this thing that she's dealing with and she needs um, this guy or this husband, whatever, to come save her and fill that hole for her. But the truth is that when it comes to our soul, literally no one and nothing can save it besides Jesus. And so what I think needs to happen is we need to, all of us humans, every single one of us need to acknowledge our weakness. And I do not believe in shaming. I think shaming is from Satan. And so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying we need to feel bad about all of our flaws and that we need to um, point them out and just look at how bad we are. But it is very important for us to understand that we can't do it all. We are not perfect. And that is why we need a perfect God. And so I'm not going to have you think necessarily about what your weaknesses are right now because you're probably very well aware. I know I am. But I do want you to take a minute to think about what do you do with your weakness? Are you someone who strives and white knuckles it through your weakness to try to, you know, show that you can do anything and you can do it all? Are you somebody who completely shuts down and avoids anything that shows your weakness? Or do you see your weakness as something that isn't necessarily a terrible thing because it's something that um, God's strength can be seen through? I'm going to be honest and say I don't know many people who look at their weaknesses as a good thing, so I'm going to guess you're probably not in the third option. I'm typically not either. But that is what 2 Corinthians 12.9 tells us, is that his power is made perfect in our weakness. That like without our weakness, we wouldn't need God. And it is essential that we understand and depend on God. And so I just see this whole verse as this beautiful picture of God, of us almost like drowning in our weakness, whether it's, you know, just the brokenness of ourselves or the brokenness of the world, we're drowning in our circumstances and God rescues us from it in his perfect strength and in his perfect grace. It says he draws us out of deep waters. And then in verse 19, it says, he brought me out into a spacious place. So not only does he bring you out of the water, he puts you in a safe place away from your enemies. And this is the part that I really love. Why does God do all this? Why does he rescue us? Because he delights in us. You know, my husband and I are reading through the Old Testament right now. We're in the book of Numbers, which is very exciting. Um, I'm kidding. It's good, though. There's important stuff in it. Um, But there's a lot of descriptions about God that don't make him sound like he's super duper happy and thrilled with humanity. And honestly, rightfully so, because all throughout the Bible, everyone is just they're just, they don't listen. They forget about him. They intentionally go against what he says. I would also feel the same way if I were God. Yet he remains so faithful and so compassionate. And even though we should all be punished with death, that's not what he does. But in this word, in this verse, that word that he rescues us because he delights in us, that's just feels so um, different than what I've been reading. But delight is how God feels when he looks at us. If you're a parent, maybe you understand a glimpse of what this means because you probably delight in your child. So I really wanted to know what exactly this meant, this word delighted, and so I looked at the Hebrew meaning, and I'm not going to try to say the word. Feel free to look on Google. Um, It says, because he delighted in me, or another way to say it is, or loved me, or had goodwill towards me. 
knowing that that's how God feels about us, that he delights in us, that he sings over us, and that he loves us, doesn't that make it a little bit easier or feel a little more comforting knowing that we can go to him with our weakness? And just for the record, going to him with our weakness does not mean he's going to make us perfect at it. It just means that his grace will fill in the gaps. It means that we will learn to be dependent on him where we can't do things perfectly. And this can be a scary thing to bring to God if you are worried about how he will respond. But remember, he delights over you. And because he delights over you, he wants you to bring your weakness to him so that he can rescue you from it. So I just want to encourage you today to bring it to him. Bring all of it to him. Maybe right now your weakness looks like anxiety and fear. Maybe your weakness looks like having a hard time, having patience with your family. Maybe your weakness is just feeling like you have too much to juggle right now and you can't do it all and you know that you're not doing what you usually do at your best. And so this is my encouragement for you today, that you would, one, acknowledge your weakness and give it to God. And as you do that, too, realize the freedom in not having to do all this on your own. Feel the freedom in not having to be perfect. No one is expecting that from you. At least God isn't. And then three, I want you to also practice being kind to yourself. And I know that doesn't really go in this, we're not, that's not really about what was talked about in these verses, but it's something that's so important during this time. God delights in you and he has kindness towards you and compassion towards you. He is absolutely not telling you to sit in shame and feel bad about all the places that you are missing the mark. Focus on the little things that you've done right and then give the rest to God. Remember, he wants to um, show you his strength in your weakness. So you guys, that is what I have for you today. I hope that it's helpful in some way and we will continue the series next week. And as always, if there's anything that you would like to talk about or that you want to let me know that you took from this podcast, feel free to reach out on me, reach out to me on social media. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Bye.